It says, remember this, he who sows sparingly and grudgingly will also reap sparingly and grudgingly. But he who sows generously, that blessings may come to someone, will also reap generously and with blessings. Let each one give as he has made up his own mind and purposed in his heart, not reluctantly or sorrowfully or under compulsion. You know, it's like some folks are, you know, they, they drop their offering in the offering basket and it's like they're grieving over it because they have, because they're thinking loss. They're not thinking gain, they're thinking loss. That we just, we just buried something. See, when you plant a seed, it's not a funeral. We're not planting a seed and mourning over the loss of food we could have eaten. No, we're planting that seed in joy. Amen. Not reluctantly or sorrowfully or under compulsion, for God loves. He takes pleasure in prizes above other things and is unwilling to abandon or to do without a cheerful, joyous, prompt-to-do-it giver whose heart is in His giving. And I love this next one, verse 8. And God is able, come on now, God is able to make all grace, every favor and earthly blessing come to you in abundance so that you may always and under all circumstances and whatever the need be self And whatever the need, be self-sufficient, possessing enough to require no aid or support and furnished in abundance for every good work and charitable donation. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, that's me. That's me. Amen. So, Father, we come to this time of giving, Lord, with cheerful hearts, Lord. We're not, we're not here mourning the loss of money, Father, as we give because you're not, you're not trying to teach us how to live with less. You're teaching us how to walk in your ways of increase and abundance. Father, you are a God of increase, and your desire and your will for your people is increase. And we not only recognize that here, we not only acknowledge that here at Heritage, Father, but we embrace it. And that's why we can give cheerfully, Father, not out of compulsion, not out of shame or guilt or like we pay in some debt that we owe, Father. But, Lord, we are planting our financial seed into the fertile soil of your kingdom so that somebody else can be blessed, Father, so that somebody else can hear the gospel. And, Lord, we pray for our partners around the world this morning. We thank you for what you're doing in their lives and, and such an honor and a privilege, Lord, to, to partner uh, with these awesome men and women as they do your work and build your kingdom in, in places that some of us will never visit, never see, never go to. But yet uh, our, our reach and our touch, Lord, is there uh, through this uh, vehicle of, of sowing by faith into your kingdom. So, Lord, receive these seed, receive these offerings, be blessed by them in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You give as unto the Lord this morning. Praise God. Uh, young adults, tomorrow night, uh, 7 o'clock. Look forward to meeting with you. And uh, we, we have a great time on, on Mondays with our young people. I'm telling you, uh, we got a lot of different ways to fellowship up there. I'm even learning how to shoot some pool. But Cecil, man, I, you know, I mean, you probably beat me, I'm sure, but, I, but I'm learning. Amen. Uh, Sarah Grace beat me uh, the other night, and um, amen, and she, she was very humble about it, but, uh, but anyway, she, she beat me nonetheless. But anyway, praise God. So we have a good time in the fellowship and in the Word um, with our young people, and we're looking forward to that. Uh, praise God tomorrow night. Amen. All right, let's, um, let's jump right in this morning to Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6. We're going to talk a little more on the eyes of your understanding this morning the eyes of your understanding. And of course, this verse is an excellent verse to begin with when we talk about understanding. The Bible has much to say about understanding. Amen. Do you understand that? No, I'm just kidding. Praise God. has a lot to say about our understanding. And we actually see that 
there are three distinct words used in, in, the, in the scriptures. That is knowledge, and then we see the word understanding, and then we see this word wisdom. Knowledge, understanding, and wisdom. While they're related, they are not uh, synonymous with one another. In other words, they don't mean the same thing. And I often like to simplify things to, to get people started in you know, growth and, 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 and development. And so think of knowledge as information, think as understanding as being able to put the pieces of an information puzzle together to see. Understanding has to do with, with being able to see something that you weren't able to see before. And then wisdom is the ability to take what you know and understand and apply it uh, in your life to uh, obtain a different result or to, to get a result. So wisdom is about results. Amen. So knowledge, understanding, and wisdom. And we see that the Bible talks about the eyes of our understanding. And so again, understanding has to do with seeing things. And in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He shall direct your paths. Now, We've broken this verse down and we've been focused on this verse since the end of 2023 and have carried over now into these uh, first month and a half or so of, of 2024. We've, we've used it as a springboard to explore different things that we see uh, throughout uh, the Word of God. And now we're back here, lean not on your own understanding, lean not on your own understanding. And so what I'm wanting to help... <coughs> you connect together from the scripture this morning is how our trusting in the Lord leads us to a better understanding or leads us to a different understanding. In other words, God directing our paths is critical. Amen. And leaning not in our own understanding and acknowledging him in all of our ways is again, prerequisites, if you will, they're requirements for God to be able to direct your path. If, if you fail to acknowledge Him uh, in, in your life, it's, it's going to make it impossible for Him to lead God and direct you if you don't trust Him. Because remember, um, where He's taken you is a place you've never been before. And He's taken you there uh, by a way that you've never traveled before, this unfamiliar road that the, the, the Bible speaks of. And so if you're going to follow Jesus down an unfamiliar road, you're going to have to trust Him. Amen. And so then we see how this is connected with, and we're going to look at that deeper this morning, how this is connected with our understanding. We've said that avoiding the ways of God because they seem risky and don't make sense will keep you in a state of immaturity. We learn and we grow and we develop by doing. We will never grow in love and trust by hearing only. We grow in love and trust by doing, by loving and by trusting. And we've said doing it God's way only seems hard. It seems hard because, well, let me just run through the list right quick. God's ways seem hard because they expose internal weaknesses and unresolved issues in our lives. Amen. Um, and, and those are multi-dimensional uh, things that His ways expose. And so I've asked you before and I'll ask you again, when it's something in the Word of God that is very clear, it's undeniable, it's unmistakable that God is instructing you or me to do, if there's something in us that hesitates or procrastinates or just refuses altogether to do it, you need to ask yourself why. Because the light of God's truth and direction in your life is trying to expose something 
that's an internal weakness or an unresolved issues. Uh, God's ways seem hard because they reveal who and what we're truly looking to for the things we want and need. Now, I'm going to just review this, the rest of this list, just kind of read over these things that we've, we've covered by way of review. But I want to point out, really, because these two are the ones we're going to take further down the road this morning. And uh, so, first of all, they expose, God's ways expose internal weaknesses and unresolved issues. And now notice that God's ways seem hard because they reveal who and what we're truly looking to for the things we want and need. Um, The key words here are expose and reveal, expose and reveal, expose and reveal. God's word is truth. God is light. Amen. God is light. God is light and in him there's no darkness at all. Uh, Bill Winston uh, says that truth is the highest form of reality. Truth is the highest form of reality. There's only one place you can find truth, only one person who is truth. That's Jesus. That's Jesus. We see it and hear it more and more in our world today. Well, that's my truth. Well, your truth and God's truth, if it ain't the same truth, you're living in an alternate reality. You're, You're living in deception. You're not seeing things as they truly are. So God's word is light. God's word is truth. And God's word enables us to see things as they truly, as they truly are. And so God's word uh, and God's ways, they expose and they reveal. This is why in John, the third chapter, Jesus said that, that, that people do not want to come to the light because what they're doing, right? The light exposes that they're, they're wrong. The light exposes error in, in, in their hearts and in their lives. And so instead of coming to the light so that God can help them and heal them and, 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 and save them and set them free, Instead, people remain in uh, darkness. Now, let's go through these last few. God's ways are not hard, but they are different from man's ways. And then God's ways seem hard because they are unfamiliar and our flesh likes familiar. And we spent some time last week talking about playing it safe and calling it wisdom. And we said no one ever participated in a miracle who played it safe. No one ever experienced a miracle who played it safe. No one ever worked a miracle who played it safe. And so Satan can uh, deceive us into spiritualizing our own dysfunction by, uh, by calling our reluctance and, and procrastination and hesitation um, wisdom, you know, where we're going we're gonna to pray about it. You know, um, Brother Keith Moore recently preached a, a, the um, a Greater Faith Conference, which was, let's see, last week, I believe, down in Sarasota, Florida. It's online if you'd like to hear that, you know, but he says so many times, you know, God will tell somebody to do something and they'll go, well, you know, we'll pray about it. No, he didn't say pray about it. He said, do it, right? Do it. We have a tendency. Well, you know, that's a, that's a good word, Pastor Mark. I, th- I think I'll pray about that. No, no. See, if, if God is speaking to you, it's not time to pray. It's time to act. It's time to step. Amen. But we can deceive our own selves by, you know, spiritualizing it. We're going to pray about it. We're going to this and that and, and, and whatever. No, just, just do it. Amen. Just do it. All right. Whatever he says to you, do it. Amen. So God's ways seem hard because the human brain considers them risky. The human brain considers the ways of God risky. Now, your own understanding and your own, your own ways and your own understanding will never get you to the place of blessing, prosperity, contentment, effectiveness, and soundness that God has for you. Your own understanding will never get you there, but whose understanding will? Come on. Whose understanding will get you there? God's understanding will get you where your understanding can never take you. Amen. It wasn't the leper's understanding who healed the lepers. Uh, Naaman and uh, the, 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 the uh, ten lepers that Jesus healed. 
Uh, he told them to do stuff that didn't uh, agree with their own understanding. It seemed risky. But they took the step of faith. And when they took the step of faith, they understood, they received, and their eyes were open to things that they would have never seen, they would have never understood had they never taken that step of faith. Amen. So it's, it's very, very important for us to come to the understanding and realization of a few things, that God's ways are always going to seem risky to the human brain. Okay? It's going to seem risky. Remember, the title of last uh, Sunday's sermon was Playing It Safe is a Trap. Playing It Safe is a Trap. And uh, if you haven't heard that sermon, or even if you have, um, I would recommend you going back. It's on the Internet. It's free. Amen. Um, and, and listen to that again, because there's a lot of God's people who have fallen for the lie of the enemy and are playing it safe, amen, with their money. They're playing it safe with their time. They're playing it safe, uh, you know, with all these other things. In other words, they're not stepping out in faith, uh, and that's the most dangerous thing and the most dangerous position uh, you could ever be in. Amen? Let me tell you where the safest place on planet Earth is in the will of God. That is the safest place. Amen. When I watched Bethany on an airplane when she was, what, 14 years old, disappear, uh, you know, through the clouds, uh, headed to South Africa on a missions trip, you know, uh, as a mom and dad, that was a little, whoo, you know, amen. And the Lord just confirmed to me that um, because she's doing my will, she'll be safer in a garbage dump in South Africa than she will be in her own bed at your house. Amen. 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 All right? So we want to, well, let's just play it safe. Let's wait till she gets older. Let's wait till this. You know, uh, Bethany was, had the maturity of a, of a 25-year-old when she was seven years old, I think, anyway. Um, those of you who knew her back in those days, I see, I see Ms. Croswell. If I go, yeah, she, anyway, um, but, so I'm not saying be, be silly or be, be frivolous. Um, but again, we, it's very easy for us to talk ourselves out of our own understanding, talk you out of doing what God is clearly telling you to do, and use the excuse of we're going to play it safe, okay? So your own understanding can't get you to where you want to be. The way of man's not found within him. It's not in man to direct his own paths. God's understanding and God's understanding alone will get you to this place of prosperity, contentment, satisfaction, effectiveness, and soundness in life that every one of us crave, every one of us longs for. Amen. But only God's understanding can get us there in reality. Praise God. So... Remember, your understanding has to do with the way you see things. Your own understanding is the way you see things. God's understanding is the way God sees things. Your own understanding is the light that is in you. Now let's go to Matthew 6 for a moment. This is a verse that we spent uh, a good bit of time studying in 2023, starting at the beginning of 2023. I want to bring it back and let's connect these big chunks together of teaching that we've been doing. Matthew 6, and 23, the lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. Remember, light is the ability to see things as they truly are. Your whole body being filled with the ability to see things as they truly are is how God created and intended for every one of His children to live in this present evil age. Our ability to see things as they truly are. But if your eye is bad, and the idea behind bad, and some places say evil, but if you go into the original language, it's talking about the human eye. The comparison is the human eye uh, having fractured focus. In other words, you ever heard the expression of seeing double? Uh, and, but, so the idea is not that the person can't see, but when he says, if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. Darkness, think of it as the inability to see. 
the inability to see as, as things as they truly are. If therefore the light that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? So what is he saying? He's saying if the way you see things is not the way they truly are, uh, amen. And that's where so many people on planet earth are today. And sadly, it's where so many of God's children are today on planet earth. The light that is in them is darkness. In other words, the ability to see that's in them is the, actually the inability to see things as they truly are. Are you picking? I know some of you are new to this, and it's like, man, would he please slow down on this? But again, we've, we've spent hours uh, d- discussing these things. And so we like to break this verse down and say it this way. What you look to, anybody remember this? Come on now. What you look to becomes the lens you look through. What you look to. See, we, we looked at this in the lives of the disciples. They looked to money as the answer for needs and desires. They looked to money when there was a problem that needed to be resolved. And Jesus exposed this because Jesus didn't look to money. He looked to what people had and then let's take it and let's thank God for it and let's use what we have to get whatever we need. Amen. Not earning, but producing. Amen. And so when Jesus says, I want you to feed all these hungry people, they automatically got out the calculators, how many people were there, how much food for everybody to have just a little bit. Religion always wants you to have just a little bit. How, you know, how much uh, money it's going to take. And they realize, okay, we've got enough money to buy the food, but there's no inventory. Uh, we're out in the middle of nowhere. There's nowhere we can go at this time of day. I mean, we would have had to order this, uh, you know, uh, from multiple suppliers weeks ago so they could have been prepared. And, but notice now, this is how they saw it. They look to money, and so they look through the lens of money, and now they are in a situation where money won't fix the problem that needs to be fixed. And so Jesus said, I'm, I'm sorry, guys. I, did, I, <laughs> I don't know what I was thinking. I, I, you've explained it to me now. So listen, just tell the people to be safe going home, and maybe they can stop at some... Re- is that, no, Jesus is like, what do we have? we got a little boy's lunch. And notice what did Jesus do? The Bible says he looked to heaven, and he gave thanks. He looked to heaven and he gave thanks and then he blessed it. Amen. So many times Satan wants you to look at what you have and compare it to what you need and want. And instead of being thankful for what you have, he wants you to look down upon what you have, speak negatively about what you have instead of being thankful for what you have and blessing what you have. Do you see the difference here? Jesus knew that being thankful and and the blessing of the Lord on that would provide what they need, would provide what what they need. And, of course, we see that it did. Now, who fed the people? Did the disciples' understanding feed the people that day? Absolutely not. Wasn't how they saw it, because how they saw it, it was impossible. But how Jesus saw it, Jesus' understanding, who, by the way, he had his father's understanding in this situation. He understood not only that it was possible, but he understood how to feed the people. And did he feed them just a little bit? Just enough to tie them over? Just enough to knock back the hunger pains uh, till they could get somewhere and, and, and get a decent meal? No. The Bible says he fed them all as much as they could eat. And then picked up 12 baskets full of fragments. The God of more than enough. Come on now, that's our daddy, that's our father. Amen? All right. So what you look to becomes the lens you look through. The lens you look through determines the way you see things or the way you understand things. The way you understand things. Now, 
this is uh, speaking to the significant shift, not just incremental change and a little bit here, a little bit there, but this is the significant shift. This is the heart of it, right? And, and what we're talking about is where we go from our own understanding to Father's understanding, where we go from understanding things according to the, what we've learned from our lives and our experience in this world to what we learn from our Heavenly Father. And so how, how then, because I know some of you hear this and you're like, how do we even begin to do that, Pastor Mark? One step at a time. One step at a time. How do we make the shift? We make the shift by looking to God, by looking to God and taking steps of faith on His path for our lives. Now, you know, what's, what's the old uh, political uh, question from Watergate? What did President Nixon know and when did he know it, right? And I think we can ask the same, no disrespect intended, but I think we can ask the same about Jesus. Because remember, Jesus said that he doesn't do anything unless, him fa- unless his father uh, shows him how to do it, reveals it to him, uh, and he doesn't say anything unless his father tells him to say it. So Jesus, as a man on the earth, is getting his information the same way you and I are to get our information, or we could say revelation, right, is directly from heaven, directly from heaven. Now, exactly when Jesus knew to feed those people, because he wouldn't have fed them. Jesus spoke to a lot of crowds. We only have records of him feeding two of those crowds, and there's no telling how many you know, crowds that he spoke to. And, and it could have been that he fed other crowds that we don't have record of in Scripture. But I think it would, I think it would point it out if every time Jesus uh, you know, had a meeting, there was a seafood buffet afterwards, Okay. Uh, and, and, of course, that, that was not the case. And we could make an argument, for those of you who are into these sorts of things, that it would have probably been the opposite because Jesus was being overwhelmed by the crowds and it, and it was starting you know, to be a factor in his ability to, to pour into his disciples, um, you know, the people who are really committed uh, to, to having him reproduced in them. This is why Jesus, it wasn't reverse psychology when Jesus would say, don't, don't tell anybody what I did for you. He wasn't like, if you tell them not to, that's going to make them. No, he wasn't doing that. He literally wanted them to keep it quiet because the crowds were becoming you know, so large that it was overwhelming. So again, if, if Jesus was just, you know, um, you know, we, we set up some tables in the parking lot and put some hot dogs on them and you get people that you've never seen before, uh, you know, and those, <laughs> come on now. And that's a good thing. I'm not knocking that. I'm just saying, praise God, you know, let the word get out that we got chili and potato soup on the on the uh, moon behind the moonwalk on the left over there then you know yeah it's like all of a sudden where did all these people come from right uh my my brother one time we was out there had the fall festival and there's so many people out there he said he saw himself jumping up on the table with a hot dog in both hands going i'll give you a hot dog if you come on sunday you know and um but so again jesus wasn't marketing you know uh come sit through one of my sermons and i'll feed you he he wasn't doing that Okay, I've spent way too much time on this, but amen. Praise God. Are you still with me? So, um, exactly when did Jesus know, right? I believe that Father gave it to him the way he gives it to you and me. And that would be in steps, right? First thing was, tell the disciples we're going to feed them today. Now, the Bible says Jesus already knew what he was going to do. Okay, I got that. Um, I don't know if that was all the details, 
But what we do see in Scripture is that the way Father ministers to you and me and ministers through you and me is that He gives us one part of it, and when we do that part, He then gives us the next part. And when we do that part, He then gives us the next part. Okay? You still picking up what I'm putting down? All right, this is really, really important. So, um, God's ways, let's just jump in here now. And I want, I want to try to get as practical as I can for you in the time that we have remaining, okay? God's ways begin with a step of faith. Now, I mean, obviously, there's a beginning before this, and that is somebody explaining to you God's ways. But I'm talking about you actually um, doing something with God's ways. Uh, it's, it's always going to begin with a step of faith. It's always going to begin with a step of faith. We've said this over and over throughout the years, okay? All of God's ways require that you trust Him. You're never going to do something God's way apart from trusting God. Because your brain is going to think that whatever God says for you to do is risky. By nature of how His ways are opposite to and even opposed to the ways of man. Now, let's just talk for a minute then about taking a step of faith taking a step of faith we we take a step of faith right when first of all faith by hearing faith begins by hearing but that's not where faith ends if you if you look at and we teach this in discipleship class god created every human being with the ability to believe He created every human being with the ability to believe. We could not function in life without the ability to believe. There are so many things that we take for granted, but belief is involved in those things. Don't think big. Think like you believe that chair would hold you up or you wouldn't have sat in it this morning. Okay? And I have looked at some chairs before in my life that I did not sit down in because I didn't believe they would. Amen. Right? So everybody has the ability to believe, and everybody's been given, according to the Scriptures, a measure of faith. So what is the difference then between belief, just in its rawest form, uh, and faith? Belief is your ability, your ability to believe. Let me Thank you, Holy Spirit. Let me step back for just a minute. See, at the heart of all fear is the ability to believe. The reason you're afraid of a snake, if you're afraid of it, is because you believe it has the power or the ability to harm you. Are you seeing this? And even if it's a green snake and has no ability to harm you, if you believe it has the ability to harm you, you will run and shriek and holler and carry on as if it was a cobra, even though it can't hurt you at all. So notice now, at the, at the root of fear is belief, but at the root of faith is also this, this just what I'm calling this general ability to believe. But where, where we get faith involved is when our ability to believe latches on to something that God has said. This is when, see, when we hear the Word of God, faith by hearing, hearing by the Word of God, when we hear the Word of God, it begins to awaken and arouse within us this spiritual substance of faith. Faith by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. But then we also know that faith also then requires Action. I believe it's the Weymouth translation that, that translates James, faith without a corresponding action is dead, or faith without a corresponding action is dormant. So true faith then involves action. If it's faith, there's action involved. There's no such thing as effortless faith. No such thing as effortless faith. Now, we've been using the word trust a lot around here. 
And, and trust and faith are words that, by definition, as it relates to God, uh, can be interchanged. In other words, if, if you look up the Greek word for faith, which is pistis, P-I-S-T-I-S, we see that it could have just as easily, in, in many different settings in the Scriptures, been translated trust uh, instead of faith. Um, I'm not saying these are identical synonyms with one another, but they are very, very close. Very, very close. And the Holy Spirit, over the last, I don't know, probably 18 months, has, or maybe even longer than that, has, has led me to use the word trust as much as I use the word faith. Because when you say, have faith in God, I think, or, or then say, have put your trust in God. I just, I don't know. This, to me, it's helped me personally. Uh, I think sometimes we, we hear... We hear words so many times that they almost lose their meaning. Um, yes, you follow what I mean by that? And so we hear faith, 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 faith. And so all of a sudden, we, now we go trust, trust in God. God can only take you as far as your trust in Him will allow. God can only take you as far as your faith in Him will allow. Trust really, I think, brings it down to, to that uh, rubber meets the road part of our lives where, you know, we're trusting Him. So we know that, that, that God is bringing us, Father is bringing us to this place in life that we can't get to on our own. And it's a path we've never traveled before. Uh, we're not going around the same mountain, following the same paths, back to the same old places. Um, but if we're, if, we're going to, if we're going to go to that next level, if you will, uh, we're going to have to follow God down a path, follow Jesus down a path that we've never been before. And that's why, again, if you're going to do that, you're going to have to trust Him. Because it's not going to make sense... It's not going to make sense to your brain or to your own understanding. But as we follow Him, this is the beautiful thing about it, right? As we, as we follow Him and take those steps of faith, steps of trusting Him and following Him, right? This is where the shift, the significant shift in our understanding takes place. As a matter of fact, um, I believe there's only two ways that that significant shift can take place. One, uh, by uh, just Jesus unlocking your understanding you know, because the Bible says, according to your longing to understand, according to your longing to know, right, He reveals truth to you. And there have been times in my life where, um, and I'm not, I'm not trying to act like you just sit around and twiddle your thumbs, and it happens, um, where I have really uh, in, desired and longed to know and understand something and just continue to seek, continue to ask, continue to knock, continue to seek, continue to ask, continue to knock. And come on, the Bible says that He's a rewarder of those who haphazardly seek Him, a rewarder of those who lackadaisically seek Him, no, uh, diligently seek Him. Amen. And so there are times where it seems like just this huge breakthrough in my life, but we also know that the Word of God is like the hammer that breaks the rock into pieces. And so sometimes, you know, you just keep chipping away, chipping away, chipping away, chipping away, chipping away. And then all of a sudden you have this huge breakthrough and so many things open up to you and so many things are clear to you. And now you see things that you, in a way you've never seen them before. And, and it gives you that, that, that sense that, you know, God do it again. And sometimes we fail to look back and connect, you know, those hours of prayer, hours of study, praying in unknown tongues, uh, asking, reading, studying, looking up scriptures in the Bible. Amen. That led to... Are you hearing me? Cornelius was a centurion man who had a major breakthrough. But the Bible made it very clear that it, it was lots of acts of goodwill. It was lots of seeking and praying. And, and I mean, he was praying according to the, the Jewish prayer uh, times each day. And he was a non-Jewish man. 
Um, he just knew that there was something that he didn't know and understand about God that he wanted to know and understand. And finally, there just came a day, boom, you know, angel shows up, right? <laughs> and, uh, and, and, and explains to him, that, you know, you sin for uh, Peter. And, and it's all there in the book of Acts. It's an amazing thing. And so you look at that and you think, you think, well, man, God's playing favorites. Why didn't, why didn't he go three doors down to that next dude and say these things? But, but see, watch this. This is why listening to God and obeying him is so important. Because when you're willing to do... Don't miss this now. When you're willing to do what other people are not willing to do, to do God is 100% justified in doing something for you that He doesn't do for the people who weren't willing to do what you were willing to do. God is 100% fair. He is 100% just. Doesn't matter how many people accuse Him of not being fair. Doesn't matter how many people say that, that, that God plays this and God does this and, and He did it for this one person. If, if God did something for one person that He has not yet uh, manifested in the life of another, He is not being unfair. And rather than being jealous of that person, you might want to find out what they've been doing. Amen? Amen? You know, if, if you've heard Matt and Vanessa's story, you know, the, uh, uh, Will uh, was born, conceived and born, and then um, they wanted to have more children, tried and tried and tried and tried and tried to have more children. And it turns out that, you know, the doctors were saying that Vanessa was not ever going to have any more children. Well, amen. Um, if you don't know, she's got two more children, Daniel, who was up here singing this morning, and then their son, Jesse, who works in uh, Nashville now. Okay. Um, and so they were, uh, we were at another church with, before Heritage began all stuff, and they were just sharing about the goodness of God and what God had showed them and how he had taught them how to pray and what he had told them to confess and, and, and the scriptures they were standing on and all this other stuff. Well, th- there were some uh, young ladies in, in the audience uh, that, that uh, heard that, and, um, and uh, several of them became very offended. That was, that was so insensitive. They don't know the pain in our hearts because we want to have children too. And they went to the pastor, and I happened to be on staff at the church, and I got called on the carpet. And um, this is part of my growth process, but, you know, um, leading, as a matter of fact, it was kind of a major turning point for me, because one of the first times I stood up, instead of just, oh, I'm sorry, I stood up, I said, I said, my God, if you want a baby and, and, and you can't have one, and somebody that you know was told they couldn't have one, and they've had two, seems to me like you'd want to find out what they're doing, Pastor. I mean, you sitting here fussing at me. Are you following me? We had this uh, beautiful conversation after church on a Wednesday night. Listen, you got no, I'm not. Nothing but love, okay? We have the best time here on Wednesday nights. Amen. We, <laughs> oh, we have a good time on Wednesday night. Anyway, uh, Sister Amy, uh, some of you know her story, man. Well, God, God is blessing her and blessing her and blessing her. And um, so we were having a conversation down here, Bruce and Donald and Amy and myself. And, and uh, brother, the Lord laid on my heart. So one day soon, I want you to just share that whole story with the congregation. But, you know, Donald was just talking about, you know, uh, he is at a point in his life where he's receiving $15 a week. That was his income. And he didn't know anything about tithing, just knew, had heard about it. So he started putting $1.50 in the, in the offering plate, right? And then after that, you know, this next door opened, the next door opened, the next door opened, the next door opened, the next door opened. And, um, and then he started asking the Lord. He said, I want to be able to write this amount of tithe check. And I'm not, if you want to share the numbers one day, brother, you, you, you can do that. Amen. But 
He said, I want to write a tithe check for this amount. And, of course, that was a lot more, you know, than, than he was even, like, making, you know. But guess what? They came to the day. Then he said, well, Lord, I want to be able to write a tithe check for this. And write a tithe check. So notice now, he's, the Lord is increasing him and prospering him financially. Now, it's very easy for people to say, well, it's not fair. You know, Donald this and Donald God's doing this for Donald. No, see, you don't know what. And I knew some of the story. I hadn't heard all of it until I heard it Wednesday night after church. And I'm sitting here going, you know, he's a blessed. Are you a blessed man, brother? Yeah, <laughs> he's a very blessed man. Amen. Very blessed man. What'd you tell me? Troy Aikman scores touchdowns on Sunday. <laughs> That's, I won't go into all this. <laughs> Amen. Uh, they're recording, so I'll leave that. I'll, I'll let you tell that story too if you want to. But I, I'm not trying to embarrass anybody in here, but I'm just trying to show you. There were, there were things. And the one part of the story that I didn't know is that years ago in his, in his dead days, um, he had bought a car from Ed Canada. Brother Ed, by the way, is in the hospital getting better. Um, and, uh, and, and the Lord reminded him years later. How many years later was it? About eight or ten years later. Eight or ten years later, the Lord reminded him. He said, you, you never settled that debt. <sighs> right? So what did he do? He picked up the phone and called him. Amen. Picked up the phone and called him. And uh, Brother Ed, he brought him some money. It was less than half of what he owed him. And Brother Ed tore the ticket up. Now, see, if you're, in this, if you're in this room, you go, he didn't tear my ticket up. Brother Ed's owns a car business, if you don't know. Amen. He didn't, he didn't tear my ticket up. So well, good. amen, don't start hating. Don't hate. Right. Amen. See, it's easy because you don't, you don't know what people are doing. But I guarantee you, if, if God has prospered or blessed or done something for one person that hasn't been manifested in the life of another person who has a similar need, it's, it's not because he's, he's being uh, unjust or unfair. I think, as a matter of fact, I heard Brother Keith Moore say this. And, I, and he said it and went on. I'm like, dude, you need to preach a whole series on that point right there. But he, and I'm going to kind of just summarize it. He said that he believes that is one of the reasons why God asks people to go dip seven times in the Jordan River, which seems so foreign to our understanding, is that because it gives that person something to do, right? There are a lot of lepers that need the healing. But none that were willing to travel to find a prophet. None that were willing to listen to and humble themselves and go do what a prophet said do. Matter of fact, Jesus even commented on this. He said there were lots of starving widows uh, in other countries. I mean, there were lots of starving widows in, uh, in Israel uh, dur- during this such a famine. There were lots of lepers in Israel, in other words, for, of the household of Abraham. He says, but to none of them, to none of them was the prophet sent. But he was instead sent to, right? And boy, this, I mean, they were ready to kill Jesus when he said that. But again, it's back to the heart. Come on now. It's back to the heart. Whew, I'm out of time, but I'm not out of stuff to say. Let me, I want to get this one part in here, though. So steps of faith. Steps of faith. Um, now, I know, I know some of the older generation, you may not do this, but you should at least understand um, the concept, right? My, uh, my watch... I have a, a, a smart watch, an Apple watch. Um, kids got it for me for Christmas a couple of years ago. And um, that, and of course my phone will do it as well. It, it, takes, it keeps track of how many steps I take. Like literally, like walking. Uh, you know what I'm talking about on this? And so, you know, end of the day you can look, you know, it took 
6,000 steps today. Um, I, I think uh, my record was the uh, Young Adult Six Flags trip uh, last year. Man, I forget, 20-something thousand? It was a lot, amen. And my feet knew it, praise God, okay. Um, I wish, I wish there was something on our apps or on our phone or on our watch or something that would tell us how many steps of faith we take in a day. I think some of us would be a little shocked at how many, and I think some of us would be a little shocked at how few. I'm not asking you to shout anything out to me. I'm just asking you to think within yourself. When's the last time you took a step of faith? When's, when's the last time God spoke to you about doing something and your brain said it was risky, but you did it anyway? Because your heart, Holy Spirit leading you, right? See, the, these are the steps of faith. And, and we'll get there next week. But what, what we see from Scripture is that when we take the step of faith, Hebrews 11.3, you don't have to turn there, but Hebrews 11.3, it says this, by faith we understand. Now he's going to go on to say, we understand the worlds are framed by the Word of God so that things which are seen came from those which are not seen. But let's just take that one opening phrase out of Hebrews chapter 11, verse 3. It says, by faith we understand. Let me tell you what I've... I see it in Scripture, but I can tell you also confirmed in my own life. There are things you will never understand unless you understand it by faith. And that doesn't just mean believing it in your heart. Well, I believe in my heart God created the heavens and the earth, and so therefore I understand it. No. Understanding, that would, that would be knowledge. Okay? Understanding, come on, anybody remember what understanding is? When you see it. You see it now. And that's where the Holy Spirit is wanting to take us. He's wanting to, to, to break us free from leaning on our own understanding. But, but it's, either, it's either our own understanding or this world's understanding or it's God's. How do, how do we make this shift from our understanding to God's understanding? How do we make this shift from seeing things the way we see them to seeing them the way God sees them? How do we make that shift? Well, by faith. By faith. What did he say? When you take that path that you've never been down before, that one that you've never known in Isaiah 42. Well, let's just praise God. I know we're ready to go. Stand with me. Praise God. Isaiah 42, 16. Notice what it says. I will bring the blind by a way they did not know. Don't, don't just think people who don't have the ability to see physically. Jesus healed people who were physically blind. But he came to not just restore sight to people who could not see physically. He came to restore sight to those who could not see spiritually. I will bring the blind by a way they did not know. I will lead them in paths they have not known. It's going to require a step of faith if you're going to follow him down that path. You're going to have to trust him, right? But notice now what will happen when that, when that, goes, when that goes down. I will make darkness light before them. What is he saying? He's saying, when you follow me down this path because you trust me, that you've never been down before an unfamiliar road, what's going to happen? Your inability to see is going to be transformed into your ability to see. That's big right there. I don't know if you're all ready to go or if you got that or not. That's huge right there. When were the, when were the ten lepers cleansed of their leprosy? When Jesus spoke? No, the Bible says, as they went. As they went, they were cleansed. 
What Jesus told them to do, it was a step of faith. It took a step of faith. They cried out from a distance, Jesus have mercy on us. They were lepers and, and they wanted to be cleansed and healed of their leprosy. Jesus from a distance shouted out. Notice now, he wasn't going to find them. They found him. That's a step of faith. Somebody, somehow they heard that a man from Nazareth is healing lepers. They heard it. So now, I don't know how they tried to find him. Then from a distance, notice step three now is have mercy on us. They cried out for mercy. Then Jesus says, go show yourself to the priest. Step four. See, we done took, Jesus answers, right? Four steps now. The fourth step is faith by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Now, notice it's one thing to hear and go find him. Then you found him. It's like, well, you say something. You say something. I'll say something. What do we got to lose, right? But now he's answered them. But he's answered them with something that does not make sense to their own understanding. Right? So he go show yourself the priest. If you don't know the Old Testament, that was because the priest had to confirm if someone was leper and they were cleansed of the leprosy, the priest had to confirm it. So he says, go to the priest for confirmation of your healing. We're not healed yet. Right? So what the Bible say? As they went, see, but notice now, from faith to faith, each step that they're taking, their faith is getting stronger. Their faith is getting stronger. Their faith is getting stronger. Amen. Thank you for being patient with me. I, I got to show you one more thing, and the Holy Spirit reminded me, okay? One act of trust and obedience positions you for and leads you to the next act of trust and obedience. One leads you to the next, which leads you to the next, which leads you to the next. These are all steps of faith. But notice now what's happening. Every step of faith you take, the next step's becoming a little more clear and a little more clear because in His light we see light. As we're walking down this path that we've never been down before is unfamiliar and somewhat risky to our brain. But the more we travel on that path, the more our understanding is shifting and we're, and, and we're beginning to see it. Are you with me? Yes? Okay. Father, thank you for this time together this morning. Thank you for these awesome, beautiful, wonderful men and women, their children, their families, Lord. Thank you, Father, for, for uh, the families that are represented by people in this room this morning, Lord. Uh, immediate family, even extended family. Father, your desire for us is not just for us to know you and to receive your awesome gift of salvation, but for our entire households. And so, Father, we thank you uh, for what you're doing uh, and what you have done. And, and, and Lord, that we're learning to and being very aware of uh, the steps of faith that you are prompting us to take. And Father, uh, we're not going to track this week how many physical steps we take, but Lord, we want to track how many steps of faith we take, Lord, uh, today, tomorrow, all the way through into next week. Um, Lord, thank you for loving us. Thank you for being patient with us. Thank you for always believing the best about us, never giving up on us. Thank you for being faithful to us, Lord, even when we haven't been faithful to you. Thank you for um, that, that love that does not change. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right, tell somebody around you good things coming. Thank you so much for uh, being here today. You have a blessed week, and we will see you on Wednesday, if not before. Praise God.